You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, kicking off hour two of the program on a Wednesday. We're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. Lots on the Flames and the Golden Knights from Tuesday night. Also checking in with our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara. If you missed any of it, be sure to check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We're kicking off hour two. One of my favorite segments of the week. We go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome to our pal from Sportsnet 590, the fan, and the host of the fan pregame show on Sportsnet, Ailish Forfar joins us. Ailish, how are you? Hey, good. How are you guys doing today? It's Wednesday, finally, eh? I know. It feels like it's been a long week, but uh, that's just because we've been in mourning since uh, Shohei decided to spurn us. Uh, I know. What was Friday like uh, in TO for you guys? I saw the picture. I saw Dan Toman and you guys (laughs) were all around the monitor trying to see where the plane was coming down. What was it like uh, in the office on Friday? crazy oh my god the roller coaster of emotions that we went through in 24 hours was it was not embarrassing but it was like you know what never again will we probably ever get a moment like that (laughs) as a collective you know fan base as people that work here for sportsnet work for rogers it was wild um it was so devastating on saturday when the news broke but I, I, I now we've we've gone through a couple of days and I think my grounded take is better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all because it was very it was very special. Like there's a billion fan bases that probably would have killed to have like a, an ounce of that energy and that excitement that we had in the city. I mean, people were hanging out at the Rogers Center. Like every time I drove by it, I was like, come on, come on, show A. So <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Um, and like we all laughed a little bit about how, how like intense we got about it. But we move on and we wait for the Blue Jays to sign like Tony Kemp and we start this journey all over again. But certainly something very unique. I don't think I've ever been that uh, locked in on somebody's plane movements from Shark Tank and I hope I never am. (laughs) That's what I said to my producers. The worst thing on Monday was was like, and it was Robert Herjavec, like the yeah. the fourth guy on Dragon's Den who oh. you don't even really want to do a deal with, but that's the guy that no, had to uh, had to show up. And and now it's funny you mentioned moving on to like Tony Kemp because I've heard a lot of people, and I feel like this is true about the Jays. It feels like, and I'm with you. I I loved going through it, and it was fun to watch. But I feel mm-hmm. like unfortunately, there's no like there's nothing Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro could possibly do now to make us feel okay about the Jays heading into the, into the next season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's so unfortunate that there is no, there's no like special trade. There's no more player out there that could really get us ever that excited again. And even Juan Soto would have been a great pivot piece, but he's gone and he's in your division. And, you know, Cody Bellinger, I guess is the next like sexiest name, but it's it's not going to be Shohei Otani. There will never be another Shohei Otani. So automatically you feel like you're back down to like, uh-oh, prove us wrong that like there is a way to improve this team. But I believe in it. You know, like if they had money and they were willing to spend, 
they'll be creative. And that Dodger series is already going to be sold out when <laughs> Shohei comes to town. Like people cannot wait. He's never even played for this team, but it feels like he's a villain to the city. It's like we lost him, but we never had him. It's just such a strange situation. Um, and then you get the deferred contract numbers, which is just outrageous. So it's cool. just been a hilarious story to cover. And I mean, I'm glad the Leafs are playing hockey again because I can't lead our show every single day at 6 p.m. with the show hate updates. I'm starting to lose my mind. <laughs> I, hope, I don't know how big you are into the contract side of things, but like, has that blown your mind as much as it has oh, for yeah. me? All the the deferred money, and then he's going to move out of California to save on taxes, and he's going to be fine because he makes 50 million in endorsements, and other owners are freaking out because how is this possible? How can you do like? That's been a whole other story is now that he's signed what the contract looks like. Honestly, like it was crazy. So that news came out at 5.55. We're on the air on TV at 6 p.m. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way that's real. Like triple, quadruple check that that's a real person type <laughs> thing, real information. And we had plans. We like scratched the plans and we, sh- we show up on, on air and I'm like, what the hell is going on, everyone? Shohei is going to get paid $2 million. Like, Callie Yarncroke on the Leafs is making more. <laughs> we just started looking at, like, players that are making more money than Shohei Otani, and it was hysterical because at that point, it was almost like it's just unbelievable information coming to you. So we we were shocked. The more information you get about it is it's pretty stunning. Like, I'll say, this guy wants to win. Like, that is – they'll never, ever doubt that again. But – the Dodgers and everybody's take about like, Oh, it's good for baseball. Like, is it, is this good for baseball? Is this what you're happy to see them create like this fantasy team where they're going to get every single person ever. Cause they have unlimited money. Like I think we're a little bit bitter. You can tell in my voice, but <laughs> the whole like discussion that insiders were having that like, it wouldn't have been good for the game for Shohei to play in, uh, in Ontario, in oh. Canada. Like I will debate that till I die. Like, you know, we live in a wonderful country and yeah, we have one team, but we have, so much more than just like a small city fan base. Like it would have been absolutely an incredible place for Shohei to play uh, the next 10 years. And you know what? Like we'll keep, we'll keep pumping our city and our country and I'll fight all those insiders that think that it wasn't a good spot for him. So it was a crazy week. (laughs) It sure was. And as you mentioned, we haven't even talked about uh, the Leafs or anything going on around hockey. We've had some fun <laughs> suspensions to talk about. We had uh, a massive game from the Leafs. The month of December, for the most part, been pretty kind to the Leafs. They've lost two games in overtime, but past that, they got past the mm-hmm. Sens, they got past the Preds, and so far, they've been managing life without Joseph Wall okay. Yeah, like we went through like the more range of emotions uh, with that as well. Like the Leafs weren't winning in regulation and we were trying to figure out like, what does that mean about this team? Is it a good thing that they're finding ways to win? And really like this last month has been pretty great for them. They're six, one and three in their last 10 and they're climbing their way back up uh, the Eastern Conference. Last night was a massive win um, at MSG. We had John Tavares get his 1,000th point against, against his former team that drafted him <laughs> in Long Island, which was outrageous. Like there's actually been some really great stuff happening or at least good storylines joseph wall getting injured was really nervous like we were on the air during that game and you don't want to play like a doctor but the way he reacted i was like oh god he like tore his acl mcl acl like it just looked like he popped his leg and it's good it's just like well good it's it's better than anticipated it's a high ankle sprain which is is doable but I mean, the biggest conversation we've had is Samsonov in net and how can he turn this season around for himself because he hasn't had a great start. 
And Martin Jones played last night. And honestly, the revival of Martin Jones, he looked pretty Jeez. good. Like, it was kind of like maybe he just got overlooked in this whole process of him being signed as a third goalie and, and being kind of an AHL-level guy at this point. But he played really well last night. And I think the the hopeful thing through all of this goaltending discussion is that Samsonov played his best hockey last year when he wasn't competing for the net, which is, you know, maybe not the best mentality you want your goaltender to have where like competition makes you underperform. But that's kind of what we saw for the first couple of weeks of the Maple Leaf season. It was Joseph Wall taking the net and Ilya Samsonov losing it. And also talking publicly about how hard it was for him, how he struggled, like getting through this time and his family was struggling with it. And he was just like, the second goalie. Like it wasn't like he was cut from the team, but the dramatic, the shift in his mental, you know, confidence was significant. And now he's got a couple games here where there's no pressure that Joseph Wall's back, um, you know, creeping in the shadows. So I really do think he's going to find a level of confidence or at least enough to get the Maple Leafs through, you know, this month where they have like 10 games in 20 days. So that's a big positive. It's looking like they'll be able to manage like this goaltending duo uh, for the time being and, and hopefully one comes back and then you've got two really capable goaltenders and and martin jones deserves some respect because he looked all right last night going back to that game against the islanders i saw some of it on twitter and i, I guess you can follow, always look and find both sides to every argument on it in the internet now if you really want to but mm-hmm. i didn't understand the people that were like oh show some class if you're the islanders he's got a thousand <laughs> points you know should give him a standing ovation and then go back to booing him I, I don't know. I've always been of the opinion if you're a fan and um, you paid your money, you can boo whoever you want to boo. And, you know, as long as you're being respectful, you're not taking it too far, <laughs> your opinion counts as anybody else's. I don't know why the Islanders fans would suddenly feel better about John Tavares for his thousandth point. Were you on the opposite end of that? Where did you come down on the whole reaction to him getting a thousand points in New York? No, I, I thought it was so justified and like they have every right to to be bitter about the situation because they're fans, like your fans, you're fanatics, like this is your team, you put your heart and soul into it and and you can hold a grudge. I will never hold that against the fan base. Like I've been to games where I have sat there and I've seen people booing and it doesn't bug me because you paid money to go to a game. You're allowed to react however you want within like the parameters of not being an idiot, right? Like the fact that he got his 1000th point with six seconds left to tie the game to send it to <laughs> overtime. What are you going to be like? Amazing. Good job. <laughs> like, of course the fuel to the fire was like, this is crazy. I can't believe that that happened. I would have been out of my seat, jumping around as well, and probably had a couple pints and maybe would have booed if I was an Islanders fan. Like, I don't blame them whatsoever for having that that feeling. It's just, I think when it first happened and he came back, remember, that was like such a scene. They were throwing snakes on the ice. There was jerseys with like trader on the back like this is different now this is a few years removed but I almost think that the fan base is like well we can't give up now we have to keep booing him and it's almost like they do it tongue-in-cheek some people some people will never get over it but the folks that do it tongue-in-cheek like it's it's just like a tradition now Uh, but I was really you know I was really happy to see that he got his 1,000th point there in the barn that or in with the team that he used to play for that he was drafted for like those things don't happen that's, that's like storybook stuff it's too bad they lost in overtime and you know it's the dad's trip his dad was there it was perfect um, I'm glad he did it when he did it it's you know 
the win would have been even sweeter. But, you know, he's uh, been a guy that this team has relied on. He gets criticized for the way his contract looks now, but he's a point-per-game guy. He's the captain of this team. I think we often find ways to poke at him because he's not, like, the most outwardly spoken, uh, you know. For sure, yeah. He's not the most outgoing guy, right? Yeah, and, like, that's fine. That's him. Like, he's not me ripping around the city of Toronto trying to find Shohei Otani posters. <laughs> like, everybody's different, right? You can't criticize the guy because he's more quiet and stoic. But it was a perfect uh, situation that he did it there. And, and the fans, they can boo all they want because uh, that's, that's, like, why we love sports, right? Like, yeah. we're going to boo Shohei when he comes here because oh, exactly. what happened. He didn't, even, he didn't even play for this team. Ailish, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever – if this has ever come across to you being in Toronto, but in Calgary – uh, Adam Fox was a draft pick of the Flames. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to sign here. Got traded to the Hurricanes in the Lindholm deal. And then eventually told Caroline, I'm not signing with you guys either. He only <laughs> wanted to sign with the Rangers, so he did. They got, eventually got his rights traded to the Rangers and signed with him. Again, never played a game in Calgary. Was never going to play okay. a game in Calgary. He is booed every single time the Rangers come to town. <laughs> they are here once a year and once a year only. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you... The entire game, Adam Fox will be booed in Calgary. It won't change until I don't think it'll ever change. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love it. Like, I love that. I love that because you know what I say. Like I love living in Toronto. I, I was the in arena host for the Maple Leafs, and I know sometimes you are begging for fans to give a crap, right? Like yeah. we, we often say, there's like the corporate seats and there's the platinum seat ghosts, and there's nobody in the arena like sometimes i i long for days where it's a saturday night atmosphere on a tuesday against the coyotes right like maybe that's different in other fan bases and i know it is because i've been to to rinks you know i've been to other games where the leafs aren't playing so to be jealous almost in a sense that a fan base is so in tune with something that happened five six years ago and they're not going to let it go that i'm envious sometimes of having that emotion and wearing it like on your sleeve because fans deserve to have whatever like energy they want in that in that arena and the and the players playing like if it bugs you you know that like you're just focus on playing hockey, right? Like I've played hockey and I know that you just worry about your performance on the ice and maybe the fans won't boo you. But uh, now that's, I love that. I didn't know that story. So now I'll be keeping my eyes on the Rangers flames games coming up. It's always, it's, it's fantastic. They'll they've it's honestly, and it's brought like a weird sort of rivalry to it. That would never exist. They see each other twice <laughs> right. a year. There's unless something egregious happens on the ice. There's no reason for those two teams to dislike each other. A couple mm-hmm. years ago, he scored a goal in the third period, and he oh. gave the old <laughs> hand up to the ear to the crowd, and it I came it. back <laughs> on review, and they let him have it. Every single time he had the puck for the rest of the game, they just let him hear it. And it's just one of those things, right? It's like it's the greatest part of sport because it's like, you never played for Calgary, but the Flames fans know you said no to us. And we're going to let you hear about it every single time you come to the Dome. It's fantastic. I love that. I just looked at next time they play. Oh, you already had your game yeah. October. Uh, and they won. The other guys won 3-1. Yeah. I'm looking if you got any points. But, uh, no, that's that's pretty crazy. It's no, I love that. Ones. Uh, <laughs> Ailis Farfar along with us. Uh, she joins us every Wednesday here on Sportsnet today uh, from the – fan pregame show on Sportsnet. Uh, You tweeted about it earlier, and I'm excited about this too. Uh, The NHL revamping the skills competition Mm. 
for the All-Star game. They're putting some money on the line. Winner takes all competition. 12 skaters compete in multiple events for a $1 million prize. I like this. I, I'm one of the people that can't stand All-Star mm-hmm. game festivities. I usually wind up watching because there's nothing on. I don't have a life, so what else am I going to do? <laughs> right? I'm going to want to talk about it eventually, but I always wind up going, why did I just spend three hours watching that, right? Like, it was awful. It was a couple mm-hmm. fun moments, but I'm glad that they're trying something different, and I think this has the chance to be pretty entertaining, Alish. I cannot wait for this. It's in Toronto, so biased because I'll get to be there. I think we're going to be doing some stuff, obviously, with Sportsnet, but this is Which exactly Which skills competition are you going to be in, then? Um, probably all eight of them, honestly. <laughs> I put my hand in there. Uh, but I look, it was funny. We looked at that. I think we're going to discuss it on the show. I'm like, which one would I actually? Uh, probably none. <laughs> but I just love the fact that also, you know, it was driven by players. Like, players want to go and actually enjoy themselves because half the time they're sitting around, they're cold, and then they go rip around the ice. And, like, it's kind of dangerous sometimes. I'm like, you just sat there for two hours, and then you're doing the fastest skater competition where you're going to, like, blow yourself into the boards if you miss. Like, sometimes I'm like, this whole structure is messed up. But the fact that Connor McDavid and some others like helped restructure this all-star skills competition is going to be what the players want to do. Only 12 of them, which means it's really the all-stars, not like, you know, just because you play for this team, we need to bring one of you into the skills competition. None of that. It's going to be less like gimmicky, you know, when they had like dunk tanks and, you know, the, the blackjack on the Vegas strip, like some of that was just, come on, it's cheesy. This is just like an approved version from the players. It's going to be very competitive. When you put a million dollars on the line, like this is, that's real. That's really a lot of money for these guys. Some of them, you know, we know our salary cap, like a million bucks USD. I think we'd be trying pretty hard. We just saw what happened with the in-season tournament with the NBA and they cared so much about that. And that was $500,000 to be split across a team. So if you don't think that these 12 guys are going to give their absolute all, I, I can't imagine it not being 20 times better than anything we've ever seen. I, I'm really excited for it. And there's some strategy involved. Like they get to pick some of the events, which means they're going to be trying to be strategic about, you know, which one am I good at? Which one are less people going to participate in so I get a better score? Like, it's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm also glad you mentioned there too, like the goalies, I'm glad we're reducing that. I mean, it's so tough for them. The only event they'll have to be in is the shootout. And that makes sense. I I don't, you know, the skills competition, like that's, it's so hard for a goalie as it is. And I don't think any of them are like, Hey, put us in more of these. Like we need to do goalie (laughs) fastest skater. I think they're, they're Mm -hmm. perfectly okay. Resting for the weekend and just sort of being a part of it. But I'm going to ask you this now, and I'm going to get ahead of yourself on your show. There's eight events. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which one, if you had to, could you compete the best in? I can give you all eight if you're not sure. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have them in front of me, so yeah. Okay, so you got fastest skater, hardest shot, stick handling, one-timers, passing challenge. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shooting accuracy, the shootout, and then the obstacle course, which I do not know the details of. Okay. My top three, passing challenge. I'm a, a playmaker. I'm setting it up. I'm setting it up to the better players. So yes. I'm in the passing challenge. Yeah. I'm definitely in the obstacle course because that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I feel like you don't need like to have an overly one strong skill set. You're just mid at everything. Yeah. You can find your way 100%. to the obstacle course. Uh, I don't even want to be on the ice for hardest shot or one-timers. <laughs> and 
You know what? I was a like I was a pretty fast skater. I'd go and fast a skater, and I'd be happy just to participate because I know we had like uh, uh, one of our girls, Kendall Coyne Showfield, do that. Like, don't yep. compare my score to her. Okay, but it's it's pretty fun. Like, I would I like to whip around the ice a good hard lap because. I play beer league nowadays and I'm like, I don't skate hard anymore. And sometimes you just want to get a good, like whip around the ice and then you feel good about yourself. It's a good cardio session. So those are my top three. Uh, look forward to watching. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, so now we got, uh, we got Megan Mickelson here doing uh, color on oh, flames. God, games. Yeah. So I'm going to have to ask Mick the same thing and see exactly where, if she, she would go. And I, we're not going against each other. <laughs> Deal. Yeah, I know. That's not what I'm agreeing to. <laughs> you just, yeah, if we need to have a 960, 590 competition, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like our odds. No. Mix, uh, yeah, mix a pretty incredible so, athlete. Her hardest shot and one-timers, like, I already know she's going to absolutely <laughs> – she'd break the machine. Like, I – I'll hand her this. We could probably, what if we just like tag teamed it? Her and I did like half and half. Yeah, you I can do that. I just have fun and I, I don't want to go against her, okay? So you can do the <laughs> passing challenge to Mick then and she can yes. fire off some one-timers. You can be her go-to on that. Okay, we're it's solidified. Perfect. We'll make it happen. Done. <laughs> Love it. Ailish, uh, always enjoy our chats. There's always a bunch of fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing this again today. We'll talk to you next week, hey? Yes, of course. Have a good weekend, Yeah, guys. you too. Bye. See ya. Ailish Forfar joining us down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline. You can catch her on the fan pregame show on Sportsnet, uh, also on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Take a break, come back on the other side, wrapping up the show on a Wednesday. It's Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, know the Calgary Flames didn't get their desired result Tuesday night in overtime against the Vegas Golden Knights. 5-4, your final. Flames have dropped both games to start this three-game road trip. And we'll look to salvage a win on Thursday against the Minnesota Wild. But it was another opportunity for us to see Dustin Wolf in goal on what has been his longest NHL streak or time in the NHL, whatever you want to call it. 39 shots against, five go in the net, 34 saves, and 872 save percentage last night for Dustin Wolf. On the season, he's been into five games. He started four of them. He's got a 1-2-1 and one record, a 346 goals against, and an 893 save percentage. The numbers aren't flashy by any means. But I think it's fair to say, watching Dustin Wolf, it sure looks like he's an NHL-ready goaltender. That in five appearances this season... Everything that you would have hoped for Dustin Wolf has come true. Hasn't necessarily been the same numbers in the American Hockey League, but the NHL is a different beast, and Dustin's looked good, I think, coming in and helping the Flames deal with this Jacob Markstrom injury. But I'm curious now if the conversation's changed for Craig Conroy and the rest of Flames management when it comes to when Jacob Markstrom is healthy. Has Dustin Wolf done enough to make the conversation difficult for the Calgary Flames when it comes to sending him down back to the Calgary Wranglers? Clearly, it wasn't a difficult conversation when it came to Matt Coronado. He came back up for a game. He was a healthy scratch for the next, and boom, it was back to the Wranglers for Coronado. But I don't know if it's the same for Dustin Wolf. Yes, Dan Vladar 
is still a member of the Calgary Flames. We've heard them say at times they're not keen on going with three goaltenders at any time in the NHL. It's just not enough net to go around. But I'm seriously starting to wonder, after what I thought was another good performance from Dustin in Vegas, if there's a conversation to be had about keeping him up with the team, even when Jacob Markstrom is healthy. Feel free to chime in, 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today. But I'm going to ask for your thoughts on this. Is it time for Dustin Wolf to stay up with the Calgary Flames on a full-time basis? Has he shown you enough to make the conversation more difficult for Craig Conroy, Jordan Sigalette, Jason LaBarbera, the goaltending crew for the Calgary Flames? Has he done enough? Does he need to go back to the American Hockey League in your mind? I'm very curious after five appearances now and this obviously more extended streak here with Jacob Markstrom's injury, where we come down on Dustin Wolf and remaining with the Calgary Flames. Here's Brent Cron. He joins the guys on the big show every morning following a Flames game. And of course, Cron being a former pro goaltender himself uh, has lots of insights on Dustin. And they were talking about, you know, what does Brent see in his game that he needs to work on? What is standing out to Croner right now when he watches Dustin Wolf play? Does he see a goaltender that's NHL ready? Here's what Cron had to say on what Wolf needs to work on, but also some of the parts of his game that have really started to shine through in these five appearances. I think he needs to fight for ice a little bit. I, I, and I noticed with him, just uh, he is, he, in my mind, he's a National Hockey League goaltender. I want them to keep playing him. He, I think he's, he's more of a calming presence in net, too, than of Ladar. It's uh, wild to it, watch it. It's him. just their, their, their personality, their, their characteristics, their manual. Which is weird because he, he's way more athletic in net than yeah. Vladar. He moves a lot more in the crease than Vladar does, but you think he's more of a calming presence. I do. I Just the way he That's makes saves. Like, and he stands up, too. Like Even on that second goal where the guy kind of fanned on it, he knew where he was going and he missed his shot and it went low blocker and Wolf standing. But when pucks go in on Wolf, it's like, oh, I could have had that. Oh, you know, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a save he could have made. And he just goes back and has a sip of water and carries on where... You know, there's a lot of scramble, and I'm not taking shots at Ladar here, but there's a lot of scramble in his game, whereas, whereas Wolf has got to be on because he is smaller. He's got to move way more front to back, like cutting the, cutting the angles down, plus left to right, whereas big guys, they're, they're big, they're big uh, uh, the kilometers they put on is all left to right, east to west, right? Yeah, he he's one of those guys that is really calm in the net. And yeah. I think about that save he made on Jack Hughes. Yeah. Uh, back in, yeah, against First the Devils, stand yeah. up, just right in the glove, made it look easy, yeah. except it was Jack Hughes, who's one of the most dynamic players. You compare that to like when Mike Smith was here and everything looked very difficult. For sure. Right. Very difficult. I watch Wolf and I expect him to make the save every time. Even if it goes in, I'm expecting him to make a save. There you go. That's Brent Cron. You know him, you love him. But he's a regular on the morning show uh, every single day following a Flames game. And they were talking, of course, about Dustin Wolf and his performance against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now up to five appearances uh, this year for Dustin Wolf. Potentially gets the start Thursday against Minnesota. But if Jacob Markstrom is ready to come back by the weekend, and he was practicing with the Calgary Wranglers on Wednesday, 
seemed as though he was able to practice without any sort of limitations on that hand that was dealing with the fractured finger. So it sure seems like Jacob Markstrom is on the verge of a return. What would you do with Dustin Wolf? Have you seen enough from the young goaltender to think maybe Craig Conroy needs to find a way to keep him up at the NHL level and keep him developing and seeing regular time against NHL shooters? Are you okay if once Jacob Markstrom's healthy, they run with Markstrom and Vladar like they have when both of those guys are healthy? 960-960, the fan feedback line is open to you. We're looking for your input on this one. And first thing I'll say is this isn't meant to be any sort of slight to Dan Vladar, who I think has been one of the most consistent backups the Calgary Flames have had in like a decade plus. They've rotated goaltenders with 1A, 1B. Sometimes there's been three or four goalies in net. Dan Vladar has been a very good calming presence and I think is an outstanding option for a team that needs a, a good backup that can play 20-plus appearances in a year. I think Dan's got that kind of potential. I don't know enough about goaltending to tell you if he could be a legitimate number one in the league or not, but I'm sure at his age there are probably teams that could still see that coming. I just think that there's been so much talk about Dustin Wolf, and there's so much hype around him. Every time he plays at home, you hear the howls from the crowd. You hear the excitement when his name is announced in the Dome. It's hard not to think about what the future looks like for Dustin Wolf, and maybe if that future is now for him to remain with the organization. Some of your texts at 960-960. Scott says, pretty simple decision to send him down. His play and numbers prove he's not an NHL goalie yet. Uh, this one says, seriously, you guys keep pumping up Wolf. He's letting in five goals. He's tiny. Yes, he's skilled, but Vidar is still better than he is. So let's not try to make him something. Uh, this one says, seems like Vidar is getting a lot of hate for a goalie that's so underrated. Let's figure out what we're going to do with him. Send Wolf down. Bring him back up once Vidar is gone. Todd sends this one in. Says, hey, Logan, Wolf needs to keep being a yo-yo for now. He needs to keep playing. So back to the Wranglers. He's not going to see enough games if he stays with the Flames. Bill texting in. Uh, well, Dustin has done everything he can in the AHL. You can see his improvement game-to-game up in the NHL, and I think it's counterproductive to send him down. He needs to be up, if not here, then somewhere. Uh, This one says, I think think Wolf has been fine, but a sub-900 save percentage and and 3.5 goals against doesn't force the hand to keep him up. This text says, Dan is too good to send down. If we're going with Wolf, Vladdy could be a good piece for trades. And yes, I know the option... And we've talked a lot about Dan Vladar and his future of whether he's a trade piece or not and whether the Flames are are looking to move him out or not. The problem is that other NHL GMs know that as well and are probably not offering you fair value. I'm, I'm sure any of the teams that have paid attention to the Calgary Flames have gone, well, it seems like you've got one too many goaltenders. I can just take Dan Vladar off your hands for nothing. And... I don't think Dan Vladar is a is a nothing asset. First of all, you paid a third-round pick to bring him in a couple of years ago. I think he's been very good since doing that, and I don't think just throwing him away to make a spot for Dustin Wolf makes sense either. 
but I think it's it's becoming more of a conversation. The more that I see Dustin Wolf, the more I see a guy that's clearly ready for the NHL. And look, it, it might just be a hard conversation of, look, you're waiver exempt. This is the only way that we can go about our business right now. Because And look, I, I do think that three goaltenders at the NHL level is probably counterproductive to development. I'm sure it's probably not the ideal situation for, for Dan Vladar as a backup goaltender anyways to be splitting a net with uh, another goaltender and taking the limited amount of reps that he has and making them even smaller. But I think Dustin Wolf's at least made the conversation interesting for me. And I knew we were going to get to this conversation whenever Jacob Markstrom was was on that verge of getting back and being healthy again, coming back from that fractured finger, there was always going to be this discussion. I'm curious if it's as cut and dry for some people as it is maybe for, for me. And I I think he has to go down I because I, I don't think a three goaltender system works. Although I do think the conversation for Craig Conroy and whoever else is, is in telling Dustin he's got to go back to the Wranglers I think that conversation has become more difficult after seeing him the last couple weeks with the Calgary Flames. More of your texts at 960-960. Keep them coming on the fan feedback line. It's open to you at 960-960. This one from Craig uh, says, Wolf is unfortunately just too short. He'll always be exposed to those over-the-shoulder goals like we saw last night. Uh, Tony texting in said, I don't know what everyone is seeing. I think he's playing all right, but his numbers aren't that great. I know he's still young, and hopefully he does develop into an all-star, but time will tell. If Marky or Vladar let in the OT goal, which I thought was weak, we'd be all over them. This text says, three's a crown. The flame strength in net comes from their depth. This isn't Wolf's year and the organization, and Dustin both know it. This text says, try to move Markstrom, let the team run with Wolf and Vladdy. Be a great way to start this retool. All the kids have proven they can play and need to at this level. I've always been hesitant on that one. I've, I've seen a lot of people make that suggestion that you go with both of the youngsters. Uh, if you want to quote unquote youngster, I know Dan Vladar is probably not in the same category of youngster as, as Dustin Wolf. I, I personally think Jacob Markstrom and Dustin Wolf is the kind of tandem I would rather go with going forward. I think Jacob Markstrom uh, at this point in his career at 33 and the kind of contract he's on isn't going to hurt your team. Like at 6 million a year, it's certainly not going to hurt you the next couple of seasons. And I think he has a lot of those mentoring abilities that he's, that he can pass down some of that knowledge to Dustin Wolf. I'd like to see that. I mean, no shot at Dan Vladar, but I mean, Jacob Markstrom's seen a lot of different situations in the NHL, a lot more than Dan Vladar has seen as a backup, I think I'd rather have Jacob be the guy that sort of works in tandem with Dustin going forward. But who knows? Maybe they we do see a world where they, they move on and go with the two younger of the options in goal going forward. Uh, Dylan says, uh, I think you keep Wolf up for the Christmas holidays with the understanding. Uh, he's getting his NHL paycheck for the holidays as a bit of a show of appreciation. Uh, Dylan in 2004 listening to Blink and some 41. Uh, appreciate you checking in on the tunes on the intros there, Dylan. Uh, this says, uh, exactly, let Vidar play and build his trade value up. 
He mops the floor with any goalies uh, our enemies up north have. Uh, this season says, trade Markstrom, take this season and let the other two develop. Uh, Kelly and Copperfield says, here's the problem. If you continue to send Wolf down, he's eventually going to say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to get a chance here. Trade me. Yes, it's a good problem to have three excellent goaltenders, but it's going to become too much of a good thing if they don't start to deal with it right away. Uh, and this timber, uh, this text says, Vladar's number this year are terrible, below 880, so I disagree completely that he's better than Wolf. Uh, I think you send Vladar down, risk going through waivers, and roll with Marky and Wolf. Hope that Markstrom plays good over the rest of the season and next year so that he becomes tradable and you can move full-time to Wolf eventually. Um, I don't think Dan Vladar, again, that's, and I understand the, the sentiment there. I don't think Dan Vladar, I think that's bad asset management in my mind. I think Vladar easily gets plucked on waivers. And I think if you're Craig Conroy, if you're looking to move a goaltender out, if it is Dan Vladar, I think you've got to be looking for a, a real asset back for him. Even if it is just the third round pick that you paid for him to get him from Boston a couple years ago. I think you'd rather get an asset back than just letting him go through waivers. Uh, and then this text says, has anyone ever mentioned the possibility of trading Dustin Wolf for draft picks? I wouldn't like to see him leave, but you could probably get quite a haul for him. I mean, it's an option. It's not one I've heard a lot of. And I would say, Okay, Dustin Wolf was a seventh round pick. Could you greatly improve upon that in a trade with a team that's willing to take a chance on the youngster? Absolutely. But go through the list of every young goaltender that this organization has drafted and tried to develop that haven't had anywhere near the kind of success that Dustin Wolf has had, even in six NHL appearances. They have drafted goalies that haven't even sniffed the kind of AHL success that Dustin Wolf has. They drafted goalies a much higher that never came close to doing what Dustin Wolf has done at the pro hockey level, not just the NHL, but the AHL. So I think this is one that you absolutely have to see through if you're the Calgary Flames. Like no question marks, no Matthew Phillips type of question marks when he leaves the organization. Was he an NHLer? Was he not an NHLer? I, I think, and I fully believe, I don't think the Flames are anywhere on the radar of trading Dustin Wolf or even entertaining anything like that. I think he's clearly seen as the goaltender of the future. But I don't think you even go down that road with the success that Dustin's had without fully, fully knowing what you have in that. And as this texter points out, if you're trading Wolf for draft picks, aren't you just hoping one of those draft picks turns in to a Dustin Wolf? And uh, that's a pretty damn good way of uh, putting it. And that's a good place uh, to wrap up on the text line today. If you should just text, appreciate it. Uh, it's a busy program today. We had Andy McNamara on chatting some fantasy football. Alish Forfar joined us to go around the NHL. Uh, so it's a busy day. If you missed any of it, please check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Come along for the ride. We will be back tomorrow on a game day. It's the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. Early start on Thursday. Quick reminder, 6 o'clock puck drop with Derek and Megan here on Sportsnet 960. Pat will have your Flames warm up 
at 5 o'clock. Special thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work. Uh, thank you for listening live on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your Wednesday night. Back tomorrow on a Flames game day here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.